This podcast is presented to you by Passion Church and their campus in Montgomery, Alabama. For more information, visit www.mypassion.church. I mean, very beautiful, very expensive, you know, and everything. But you can go in there. You know what? God doesn't live there. God doesn't live in a building, no matter how ornate, no matter how lavish, no matter how beautiful. God's not living there. It is a church without walls. And we believe uh, in talking about this series is we want to raise our understanding and our awareness that God is more than just God on Sunday morning in a Sunday morning service. He's bigger than that. He wants to, uh, us to engage uh, His life, uh, His spirit, His message to such an extent that it spills out wherever we go because we are the church. You and I are God's dwelling place. And there in 2 Corinthians, if you found that 6, chapter 6, verse 16 Paul is writing, he says, what agreement is there between the temple of God and idols? For we are the temple of the living God. As God has said, I will live in them and walk among them and I will be their God and they will be my people. I think there's been a case historically of mistaken identity when it comes to the church. A lot of times when we use that term, the church, we think about either a setting like this or we think about the organizational side of the church, you know, passion church. Well, the church is going to do something. Well, we expect the church to do something, and we're talking about the organizational side of it. The organizational side is really, really for man's purpose. The reason we, we, we have organization, the reason we have, you know, a 501c3 and all that thing is to satisfy, if you will, uh, Caesar. That doesn't mean anything to God. God's not interested in whether we, you know, do that except that, you know, he's told us to obey the laws of the land. So that's what they require. But the church uh, is you and I. We are the church. Say that with me. We are the church. God has said He's going to live where? In you. Where's God living? Where's God living? Where's God living? Except on Monday. Until 12 o'clock on Sunday. 12, 15, the preacher goes over. Now, all the time, isn't that right? So sometimes there's a case of mistaken identity. The church is an organism, not an organization. We are, that's why we talk about being connected. You know, if you, if you sever your finger, if you don't reconnect it within a certain period of time, I mean, you're going to go without that finger, aren't you? And it's the same thing with us. We need to understand as we talk about relationships and connecting, it's because what? We are a body. We are His temple. We are His dwelling place. And every part of His body is valuable. It has something to contribute. And when you, it doesn't contribute, then we are uh, handicapped. Are you listening? We're handicapped. What if you came here one Sunday and none of the children's workers or teachers showed up? 
None of, none of the, the team that comes and unloads everything shows up. None of the worship team showed up. None of the ushers showed up. Sin and I didn't come. None of the hospitality showed up. And you looked around and it was just you. And you're like, you'd be thinking, what happened? You might have a service, but it might not be quite as enjoyable. It might not minister to you quite as much. Isn't that true? You think about that. But what I want you to see is that your part is also important. And we don't want you to be in neutral. We want you to be engaged with what God is doing in Passion Church and through Passion Church. So we don't want a case of mistaken identity to cause you to just sit on the sidelines. And just, you know, we're just going to come and receive all the time. You know, receiving is important, but also what you have to give is important. So we're an organism, not an organization. We're His temple, the dwelling place of God. We just read that from the Apostle Paul, didn't he? Now, I don't know about you, but that, boy, I'll tell you, you, you think about that for about five minutes one day. Get in front of your mirror and just talk to yourself and say, God's living in you. God's living in that person that's looking out of me in that mirror. He's living in me Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. He's living in me. Uh, you ever cook with charcoal? You know, with charcoal, you know, it's different. I've cooked with charcoal and, uh, and also cooked with, uh, with, with gas, you know, as well. But with charcoal, you know, you've got to pile it all together. If you want to get a good hot fire, don't you? And then you got you to put some of that fluid that helps that thing ignite and burn hot enough. See, that fluid, all it is is a starter. And it, it, because that temperature has to be hot enough to get that charcoal ignited. But boy, once that charcoal gets ignited and it's there together, that temperature, man, it begins to burn and burn and burn. But you ever notice if you get one piece of charcoal somehow that got over here in the corner... You ever notice that if you're cooking? Man, even if it started, it don't stay lit long, does it? It it has to be together to continue to burn, to continue to keep a certain level of fire and warmth and heat. Amen? And that's the way God's designed us as His body. As we come together, there's something about an amplified and a multiplied grace and power and presence of God that is greater than when we're just by ourselves. There's something important about that. That's why we need that, not only on a Sunday, but we want to encourage you to get in this when we start up our small groups. Because you can, you can come together, and there's something about that that fans the flame and keeps us burning bright. Are you listening? Amen. We are the temple of God, which is the dwelling place of God, and it also says that we are His uh, body. In 1 Corinthians 12, you're close there. Just turn back a couple of pages there. I know for most of us, maybe this is not anything new, but you know what? We need to be reminded isn't that true? Have you ever read through the Gospels? A lot of repetition in those four books, isn't there? wonder why God didn't just give us one. <laughs> repetition is good for us, isn't it? We need to be reminded. We need to be, be encouraged one another. Amen? 
1 Corinthians chapter 12, I'm going to read down around verse uh, 12. He's talking here. He said, just as a body, though one has many parts, but all its many parts form one body, so it is with Christ. For we were all, how many? All baptized by one spirit so as to form one body. We're many members, but we're one body. Christ is dwelling in us individually, but also when we come together corporately, what? There is the presence of God. Isn't that right? He said, where two or three are gathered together. That sounds like a small group to me. Two or three are gathered together. He said, there I'm in the midst. That doesn't mean he's not with you when you're by yourself, but there's something special. Didn't he say if two of us should agree that there would be an amplification and that prayer power and that prayer ability? Amen. Absolutely he did. Didn't he say over in Ecclesiastes, a threefold cord is not easily broken? So when it's me and you and Christ together, it's a threefold cord. That's not easily broken, is it? So we, we don't want to mis- have a case of mistaken identity that we think that church is only about a setting like this on a Sunday morning like this with one person like this talking to a group like this. That has its place. That's important. But that's not all that church is meant to be. We're talking about a church without walls. That's not just defined by a Sunday morning with four, fall, four walls, uh, you know, in a building somewhere. Amen? You know, if tomorrow we walked into a million-dollar facility, that wouldn't change you one bit. No, oh, it might affect your emotions. But you're still going to be the person you are. You're going to be the spiritual person you are, the person of prayer that you are, the person of faith that you are. You're going to be the same person. God's going to be the same. He's not going to be living in you more all of a sudden because you're in four different walls. (laughs) So let's don't have a case of mistaken identity. Let's don't misplace the address of God. It is in us. His body. And his body is the expression of himself. You know, your body is an expression of you. Come on. It is. In other words, you know, the person on the inside, your spirit man and your soulish man, your your intellect, your emotions, they animate your body. If you don't believe that, when they go to be with the Lord, guess what your body's going to do? I've never been to a funeral yet where they had the guy standing up. They're always laying down. Why? There's no, nothing to animate it there. Why? Because the real person has moved out of that house and has moved on to another house. Amen. So there's a, his body is an, it, you know, we are an expression. His body is an expression of Jesus Christ. We express his love. We express his faith. We express His His mercy. We express His forgiveness, don't we? Sure we do. So we are not only His dwelling place, but the church is His expression. Amen? This is why when we're out 
uh, on every day. You're out on the workplace, in the marketplace, or, or at home, or in your neighborhood, or wherever you are. What you do is what is an expression as far as people are, especially for unbelievers, of who Jesus is like. Is, is Jesus foul-mouthed? Is he ill-tempered? Is he impatient? Is he, uh, you know, is he miserly? Is he stingy? Is he, you got a fuse about this long? Let me get back over here. We are his expression. Did you know that you were born to raise hell? That woke somebody. What did he say, Myrtle? I remember, you know, when we were in the world, we talked about raising hell a lot. It was the R-A-I-S-E kind. You know, you, you, you used to see, I don't know if you see them still, you used to see people with, even have tattoos, born to raise hell. Well, you were born to R-A-Z-E hell. That raise means to tear down, to pull up, to demolish. You were, see, I, I said it that way because I knew that, that'd wake somebody up. What did he just say? You were born to raise hell. You absolutely were. Look over in Luke's gospel. When Jesus came, he did something different than the religious mindset of the day. He was completely outside the box in many ways. Now, he had the same message, but his message had life. His message had power. His message had the power to deliver. It revealed a living, present God. Did you know that until Jesus came, that the Jewish people, the the Israelites, had no uh, understanding that God was a father? Go back and read the Old Testament. You'll never see him referred to there as father. He's God. He's almighty. He's the creator. He's the champion. He's the victor. You can even see him as healer. But Jesus came and started talking about Father. For people under the law and under the Ten Commandments, that just blew their mind. I mean, go search the Scriptures. Where did they get that at? He was Father. It was, a, it was a fresh revelation. And Jesus came and he said that this Father, God, is interested in ordinary, regular people. Not just to judge them, not just to find out if they did something wrong and weren't, weren't keeping the law, but he actually cared about them to the point that he wanted them to be free from the oppression of the devil. That also was a new revelation. There were two things that, especially that Jesus revealed when he came in the New Testament that you can't find in the Old Testament. Now, we have a reference in Job to Satan, don't we? And you have a reference to him in the Garden of Eden in Genesis, so you got two references. But there was no theology or understanding about the devil or about Satan in the Old Testament. Most of the time when you read about people there, whatever happened, whether good or bad, they all thought it was God. The Lord giveth, the Lord taketh away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. You still hear people quote that. 
I wish they would move forward. Come on over into the New Testament. It's really good over here. What did Jesus say? He said, the thief, John 10, 10, only comes to... Well, is God a thief? See, he brought a revelation there that they were like, wow. But he said, I've come that you might have and have it. Amen. So here in Luke, he comes into the, to the temple there. He's been, you know, he's been in the place of out in the wilderness. He's been tempted. He said, the spirit of the Lord is on me because he's anointed me. To proclaim good news to the poor, proclaim freedom for the prisoners, recovery of sight to the blind, to set the oppressed free, and to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Setting captives free is what God has called us to do. Setting people free. That doesn't, you know, what does that mean, okay? That means that we take what God has given us the grace, the name, the gospel, the power of prayer, the power of the name of Jesus, the blood of the Lamb. We take all of those things, the armor of God, all those things. We take it and we are equipped not only for ourselves, but we're equipped to set others free. Why is this? He didn't say the Spirit of the Lord is on me so that, you know, I can feel good. The Spirit of the Lord is on me so that, you know, I'll never have another problem. The Spirit of the Lord is on me so I can be comfortable. The Spirit of the Lord is on me so I can feel good. He didn't say that, did he? Actually, if you read this, there's nothing in there about the Spirit of the Lord being on him for him, is there? Is this a new revelation? (laughs) He's on me what? Because he's anointed me to proclaim good news, but who? To the poor. The poor in spirit as well as the poor in other ways. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners. Recover his sight to the blind, to set the oppressed go free and so forth. Everything the Spirit of the Lord was on him was what? Was to flow through him to other people. We're talking about the church without walls. You have got what others need. Now, see, the devil and your natural mind have convinced you otherwise. Let's just get this out of the way once and for all. You and your humanity cannot do it. Okay? Let's just get that out of the way. Okay? But in Christ, if any man, any person, any woman be in Christ, they are a brand new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new, and all these new things are from God. So God, living in you, has anointed you to do the same things that He anointed Jesus to do because He's the head and we are the body. We are the expression So when we are going about setting people free, either by message or by prayer or by ministry of the Spirit, what are we doing? We're giving expression to Jesus. Jesus said, I'm giving expression to the Father. Now I'm called you and I've anointed you to give expression to me. Jesus said, 
I'm doing the works of the Father. We ought to be able to say, I'm doing the works of the Savior. Thank you for your enthusiasm. Three things here, real quickly, I've already mentioned it. One, the message. Romans 1.16 says, Paul said, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ, for it is the power of God. You know, this message is the power of God. You know, we full gospel people, you know, we don't think there's any power unless we can feel electricity or something. But he said, the gospel is the power. This message has the power. You want to see people set free? Give them the message of the gospel. Tell them you can have peace. You can be forgiven. The power of sin and the devil can be broken all of you. All you have to do is receive Jesus into your heart. It's easy to do. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you shall be saved. Don't complicate it. Make it simple. Make it easy. Listen. I, you know, I know some people, bless their heart, and you know, and you, you kind of understand, but some people want to make it hard. It's hard to be a Christian. It's hard to get saved and stay saved and be saved. And boy, it's tough. It's hard. You know, it's only hard because you're making it hard. I, I, you know, I've used this illustration many years ago when they were first starting to get, you know, like, like, you know, like the Goodyear blimp, you know, the hot air balloon, the, uh, not the hot air balloon, but, but, but the blimps, you know, they were using to ride and do promotions and all on. And, you know, they were kind of a novelty, you know, maybe, uh, you know, close to 100 years ago, back at the turn of the previous century. And, you know, there were people, at, you know, they would have them at the fairs because they would attract people, you know, because it was a new thing. You could go up in them and all. And they had a bunch of men that would usually, you know, hold them and, and moor them down once they came down. And there was a, a bunch of men at a state fair, and they were trying to do this. All of a sudden, a big gust of wind come up because they saw a storm was coming up, and they were trying to get the thing tied down. And a gust of wind blew that thing up. Most of them had the, you know, presence of mind to let go of the thing. But one guy didn't and he was up too high and then you couldn't let go and that thing kept going on and on you know and man everybody was just when's he gonna fall you know everybody's like you know and the guy he didn't fall and he didn't fall and he didn't fall and he didn't fall he thought wow must be the man strongest man in the world and they finally got up you know those old airplanes with the double wings on them you know the biplanes they got up there you know and they managed to get it back under control and brought the guy to the ground and they were you know they were gonna you know they wanted this was a news story they wanted to know how in the world you hang on so long and he said man he said i got up there pretty high and he said i was trying to hang on he said i realized you know what i ain't gonna be able to do this too much longer so he said i took a end of the rope and I threw it around my waist and I tied it to me and I just let it hold me. See, some people are getting worn out trying to hang on to God. Oh, I'm holding on to the end. Pastor Norris, pray for me that I'll hold on to the end. Well, I got news for you. You're going to get tired of holding on. Why don't you let God hold you? Why don't you let trust God's grace to be sufficient for you? Trust the Spirit of God. He that's begun a good work in you, Paul said, will also finish it. God's good at finishing. He's great at starting. He's even better at finishing. The message, the Spirit, and healing. And finally, teamwork. We're talking about still the church without walls. Teamwork. God has given us kingdom 
authority along with a kingdom mandate. Matthew 28, Jesus said, verse 18, All authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. How much does that leave over? So who's got all authority in heaven and earth? How much has the devil got? See, sometimes we, we're more conscious of the devil and what he's doing than we are with God and what he's doing in our life. The devil's doing this and the devil's doing that. Oh, pray for me. The devil's after me. Bless his holy name. I mean, we're so devil conscious. We're de- way too devil conscious. That doesn't mean you need to be ignorant of him. But I want to tell you what. Why, don't, why aren't we that conscious about, the, about God, about his power, about his love, about his grace, about his ability, about him working in us, about him finishing what he started in us? Why aren't we conscious of that? Why aren't we victory conscious, faith conscious, love conscious, blood conscious, name conscious of Jesus? Why aren't we conscious of that instead of, you know, hashing and rehashing every little thing that's not just right in our life yet? No wonder you don't have any peace. Holy cow. Because, you know, you're at home and you're, you know, you're thinking, well, I'll tell you what, I'm just no good. And the devil said, I've been trying to tell you that all your life. I'm glad you finally caught on. That's not, the Holy Spirit's not telling you that. That's not God telling you that. There is therefore now no who are in. If there's none in him, then what are you doing carrying it around? It's contraband. Get rid of it. All authority in heaven and earth. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations. In other words, he has commissioned us, his body, to go and make disciples. What? Just go tell people what you know. Don't get all of Well, I wish I knew this. And I wish I knew. Well, just go tell them what you do know. Be like the blind man. Once I was blind, now I can see. I, can, I don't know about all the theology about this and, you know, and, you know, where did God come from and what was his beginning and how many angels can fit on the head of a pen. I don't know all that, but I can tell you this. Once I was blind, now I can see. Once I was bound, now I am free. I've been forgiven. There's a peace that's come into my heart and into my life. There's a presence that's in my life. God's goodness and mercy have changed my life. I'm not perfect yet, but I'm forgiven, and I'm on my way to heaven. Just tell them what you got. You know, and if they have a problem with it, that's their problem. Amen. Just, tell them, just give them what you got. Peter said, isn't that what Peter said to the man at the, at the beautiful gates? He said, I don't have any silver and gold on me right now, but he said, what I got, I'll give you. Man got up and walked, didn't he? So kingdom authority. And so... With every commissioning, there comes a degree of authority. We got anybody in the military? I know we have some ex-military or military here. Brother Preston's back there. He was in for a long time. Brother Preston, doesn't every rank uh, in the military, doesn't it come with a commiserate authority? Am I saying that accurately? Okay. So, you know, so, uh, I mean, you know, uh, you know, old PFC ain't got too much. But you go on up the ranks, you know, and you get, you get to the sergeant, and then you get to the captain, and then you get to the major. But when you get up to the general or the chief of staff, well, Jesus is the commander-in-chief. 
That's tip top, isn't it? So he's commissioned us. So all of us have authority that is commensurate with the commission. So you are not only commissioned, but you are authorized. And that means that Jesus is going to back you up when you go out fulfilling your commission. And that is what? To make disciples. Tell other people. Amen? And in another place, he tells us what that commissioning, that uh, commensurate authority, how he will back us up. He said, when you declare this gospel, Mark says, he said, uh, he said signs will follow you. One of those is what? People will get saved. That's a good sign, isn't it? Their sins will be forgiven. That's a, that's, a, that's a sign. That's a sign that this book is different from every other book, that this message is different from any other message. There may be some good philosophies out there that's got some good things about daily living and all that in it, but there's no book or philosophy that can do what this message does, and that is change a person that was on their way to hell, now they're on their way to heaven. They were a sinner, now they're a saint. Wow. I think sometimes, you know, we, 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 if we're not careful, we, 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 we look at this thing called salvation and we can take it for granted. That's a mighty thing that God has done. You know, we, we, want, we believe in healing, physical healing. We want people to be healed. But I'm telling you what, you can go to heaven with a sick body, but you can't go to heaven with a sick soul and spirit. So let's don't belittle the message of the gospel of salvation. That's an awesome thing. And God has authorized you, little old you and little old me, to go out in his name, and he's going to back us up when we do it. But he also said healing of the physical body. That's one of the things he's authorized us to go out. He said they'll lay hands on the sick. They'll recover. Amen. You say, well, I sure would like to see that. Well, you know what you got to do? Start laying some hands on some sick folk. Amen. <laughs> sure would like to see that. And all the time, you know, you're in your, your prayer closet. And that, that's good. Glad you're in your prayer closet. But you know, you got to get around some sick folk to see sick folk get well. <laughs> that's deep, isn't it? God acts. What I'm saying is this, and i got to wrap it up. God acts when we act. Look at Romans 8. God acts when we act. Now, I understand this, so let's just get this out of the way for the, the theologian in the crowd. I know that God is sovereign, and there are times when he gets ready to do something, he can very well do it. And there are times when he does do that. Absolutely. And God doesn't have to ask us, you know, when he gets ready to do something like that. He can do it. But that is the exception, not the rule. Amen? That's like the man, you know, the man at Bethesda, the porches, you know, they waited a certain time of the year. They didn't know when. Angel came down. That was what? That was a sovereign act of God. There was nobody praying, nobody anointed. There was no prophet prophesying. It was just at a sovereign time when God decided he sent the angel down. It stirred the water, and the first one that got in was healed. What about the rest of those? A lot of times when you see something sovereign, it's all about an individual. But see, the message of the gospel is to all men and women everywhere. So all of a sudden, that expands it, doesn't it? So God acts when we act. In Romans 8, 26, real quickly, it says, In the same way, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. We do not 
know what we ought to pray for, but the Spirit Himself intercedes us for, uh, for us through wordless groans. Now, He's talking specifically about prayer, but Jesus also called the Holy Spirit a helper, didn't He? What does a helper do? He helps. He doesn't do it. He helps it. You know, I've told you this. I'll give you this funny example again, but it's true. This word help here is translated from a compound Greek word that means to lay hold together with against. Like if you wanted to move a piano. It would be, you know, and I said, uh, you know, Brother Ed, would you come over and help me? I want to move this piano. And maybe I got a couple of other brothers too to come over and help me move this piano. Well, the idea in their mind is what? They're going to lay hold together with me against the weight of that thing. We're going to move it. But they show up at my house, and I left a little sticky note there. The door's open. Come on in. Would you grab that piano and move it over to the basement for me? See you later. (laughs) Knowing them to be good people that they are, they're going to go back out the door and leave a sticky note and say, hey, when you're here to help us, we'll come back. (laughs) That wouldn't be helping, would it? That would be them doing it for me. And see, we want God to do something, do something. God, do something. God, do something. I wish you'd do something. And he's saying all the time, I will, but I wish you would do something. I wish you would do something. (laughs) Because when you do something, I can help. When you you share the gospel, I'll lay hold together with that message and convict their heart. When you lay hands on the sick, I'll lay hold together with you. My power will create healing in them. He said, if you, if you act, I'll act. Amen. See, we've just left a sticky note. God, save all these people, heal all these people, deliver all these people. Uh, I'll be at the beach. <laughs> <laughs> We're talking about the church without walls. Now I know that, that's humorous, and you're not that way. But we want to remember, we are the church. Say that with me again. We are the church. Absolutely we are. And all that we've been called to do, all that we've been commissioned to do, we are able to do. See, don't wait for a feeling. Don't wait for a goosebump. Don't wait. Listen, you've already been commissioned. Now, Brother Preston, how long were you in the service? Did you ever give an order when you didn't feel all the, maybe so great, you just... But, but... The order, the authority you've given, it only worked when everybody felt good, right? I mean, if those soldiers didn't feel like doing something, they didn't have to do it, right? They had to do it. They had to snap to it, didn't they? You better know it. See, and it didn't matter how he felt or how they felt. That had nothing to do with it. And see, you, you can feel like, boy, you're the least. I can't do this. I feel so weak. Well, he said, in your weakness, his strength is made perfect. All right, let me give you these action points, and then i got to let you go. What comes to mind when you think church? You know, just be honest with yourself. Do you think a meeting? Do you think an organization? Do you think uh, Sunday? What, what do you think when you think church? I want you to begin to, to think church is me. It's us. It's the saints. It's the people of God. See yourself as the dwelling place and the expression of Christ. You're where He lives, 
And you are the one he wants to give expression through. You have a unique expression of Jesus that nobody else has. And not only do we need it here as the family of God, but the people out there need it. You're going to be amazed if you just dare to do. You're going to be amazed what God does. Then remember, when God acts, or when you act, God acts, and not before. Would you bow your heads? just want to pray over you. Father, I thank you today. Lord, as we, we wrap up this series about the church without walls, that, Father, that there's a new consciousness that's been raised as never before in the hearts and minds of all of us, we who are your church, your blood-bought, born-again people. Father, I thank you, a consciousness that greater is he that is in us than he that's in the world, that we are the dwelling place of God. Lord, sear that into our consciousness, I pray. May we not forget it. Father, may we go out And just give them what we have. The love, the forgiveness, the grace, the mercy. Just give them what we got. That's all we have to do. And you're going to be right there with us working. While your heads are still bowed, if you're here this morning and you've never believed on the Lord Jesus Christ as Savior and asked Him, to forgive your sins and to come into your life and to change you. You can do that this morning. I want to give you an opportunity. The Bible says whoever calls on the name of the Lord Jesus, believing in their heart, believing on Him, believing in His finished work at Calvary, that they would be forgiven, they would be saved. What does saved mean? It means you become a part of God's family. You're the redeemed of the Lord. Heaven is your home. If you're here and you've never done that, I want to pray for you. Would you just real quickly just raise your hand? I'll know I'm praying for you. I'm not going to ask you to do anything or say anything. I'm looking around. I don't see a hand anywhere. Hallelujah. Praise God. Amen. Amen. Well, you can look up. Pastor Walt, you're going to come. Thanks for listening to today's podcast. We hope you've enjoyed it and pray that you are blessed by God's word. For more information about Passion Church, visit www.mypassion.church.